What a beautiful sound as our kids head to class and learn about Jesus and his word and study there. I'm going to start off with this. Buenos dias y bienvenido a la iglesia sunrise. Mi amo Pastor Greg. Estamos muy agradecido de que esté aquí. Hay notas adicionales en el proyecto. Lo siento, mi español uh, es limitado. <laughs> We're getting there, right? We're getting there. Well, if for those of you who don't speak Spanish, like uh, me, and uh, <laughs> my name is Pastor Greg. Uh, I'm excited to get to share with you. I'm the pastor of discipleship here at Sunrise and get to be part of the preaching team. And I'm just excited to be able to share with you from God's Word today and just dive into what He has for us. You know, um, in my early 20s, I got to work at an um, auto parts store. And I had a good time. I worked in the warehouse where no one really bothered me. I got to just zone out. But one of the cool things about working at an auto parts store is that you always get to see cool cars come in, especially the one I got to work at. It was more of an old school kind of place. And so we got to see a lot of old school cars come in. And a lot of the people who worked there uh, had these old school cars. And so a buddy of mine who worked there had this 1950s Cadillac Coupe de Ville. Um, it was not that. It definitely didn't look that nice. It was not that finished, right? Because we worked at an auto parts store, so we didn't have a lot of money. But uh, he was working on it. So he brought it in one time, and he was just uh, showing us what he's been doing. And I was admiring it. Um, I don't know a lot about cars. I know how to work on them and how to keep them going. But um, I don't know how to make something look that beautiful. Um, but as he was working on it, there was something in his window that I had never seen before. And I think we have a picture of that right here. And I was just staring at this thing in his window, wondering, what is that? Like, I was like, is this kind of some kind of back to the future thing? Or is there like a, you know, some radio kind of thing? Is this a speaker? And so finally I asked him, I said, what is this thing on the side of your, your window? And he said, well, it's, it's my air conditioning for my car. Right? It's, it's more of a swamp cooler, really, but I had never really understood anything about it. And so I was just enamored by this thing because I grew up always having the air conditioning in the car, right? I didn't realize that that was something that really just started to happen in the 50s and now is way normal. Um, and so I was just enamored with this thing and learned more about it and all that stuff. But it was just fun to see how sometimes when you grow up with something, you kind of take it for granted in a sense, right? You don't know where it came from. You don't know how it's developed, how that process has gotten there. Uh, much to like I think many of our kids will be like with the internet, you know, the internet has always been uh, available to them. They've always had access to it, whether on phones, computers, whatever. Uh, those things are just normal now, where they just feel like, yeah, this is just how life is. Um, I grew up more time in that time as it was being implemented, right? As the computer labs were being installed into the classrooms. And uh, we didn't have internet at my house, at least until I was in junior high. And so that, I can appreciate what life was before internet and what was it like afterwards. Well, in some ways, I feel like when it comes to being multicultural, I must admit that I have kind of taken it for granted in a sense. You know, I have been coming to Sunrise since I was in seventh grade. That's a long time. I am not near that anymore. Um, and so I have been coming here, and when I think of churches, someone says, would you just paint a picture of what church is? This is kind of what I picture in my head as a diverse 
group of people, uh, people who come from all different backgrounds, speaking both English and Spanish. Uh, if I think about who's doing worship, it's always Martin, right? Like, it's always Pastor Us preaching. Uh, those things are just in my head. Uh, since I've been coming to church, this is really what I think about when I think about church. And so when I think about uh, what are the principles, the main staples of sunrise, multiculturalism is kind of just a normal part of church. It's what I've grown up experiencing for the most part. But there's something that we need to understand when it comes to that. With multiculturalism, it only really works truly if God is at the center of it. If God is at the very center of all of our lives, Because, you see, there was a time in humanity's history when uh, we tried to get together as uh, people and do things our own way without God at the center of our lives. And actually, the Bible tells us about that time. It it takes place in Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9, uh, where uh, the people were getting together and they were trying to build a town for their own glory. And so I invite you to turn there. We're going to be in a lot of different places in Scripture. In fact, we're going from the front to the back today, so get ready for that. But we are going to be in Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9. This is what it says. Now, as the whole world had one language and one common speech, as people moved eastwards, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make brick and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heaven so that they may Uh, So that we may make a name for ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower and the and the people of the uh, who were building. The Lord said, "If as one people speaking the same language they began to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language, so they will not understand each other." So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. They, that, or that is why they, it was called Babel, because there, was, uh, the, there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So you look at this story at the very beginning... And it's interesting, you know, everyone spoke one language, so that would have been nice. As someone who's learning a second language right now, I think, man, that would have been pretty cool. Like, if we all just spoke one language, that that would have been really nice. Um, And as one group of people, as humanity, they came together to do something together, right? They They were unified in that sense. They were building something. They were building the city to stay together, to stay collected. And you look at that and you think, man, that looks really good. So why would God want to stop that? Why would God look at humanity and what they're doing and see that as a negative thing? Well, we should again look at that and say, well, what were they united for? What were they gathering for? What was the purpose of this city? Well, they were gathering together. They were united actually in their call, their desire to no longer need God. They were saying, let's build ourselves a city, a place together where God is not needed anymore, where we can do things our own way. We can create the earth. We can manipulate it. We can grow this city, our kingdom, and we can grow it to the heavens. 
right? And, and what's interesting is what they, we've realized, what scholars believe, is this is actually uh, the city of Babylon. And if you were to translate Babel in Babylonian, uh, it actually means the gate of God. And so they were building this tower, and for them in Babylonian, they were, they were building this up saying, this is going to be the gate to God. We are going to reach heaven this way. We are going to achieve Godhood this way. Well, doesn't that sound familiar? A time when humanity had said, I don't want to just be made in God's image. Instead, I want to be God myself. It's the original sin of Adam and Eve calling out, still taking place here in Scripture again. Them saying, I don't want to be like God. I don't want to be in a relationship with God. I don't want anything to do with him. I want to be my own God. I want to be the one who calls all the shots. I want to be as powerful, all-knowing, in control in that way. And that was what was wrong, as they were building this city up so that they can be God. Which is why God comes down. He looks at what humanity is doing and he says, no, you're missing it. You're missing it again. And so he intercedes. He stops it. Why does he do this? He confuses their language because he knew that this would make, not let them get to him, that he would one day have to come down to them, right? That they would never, no matter how much they desired, no matter how much they worked, no how much they tried to do all the thinking and building and control that they wanted to have, no matter any of that, they would never reach God, truly, And so God, says, comes down from heaven and dwells with them for a moment, sees what they're doing, and he just says, man, you guys are missing it. So he confuses their language so that they will one day start to understand who he is. He's saying, I have a rescue plan for you, humanity, and not even you can get in the way of it. I think this is something that we need to understand, that this can happen to us just as much. When we, we, we say something, we want, we want to achieve something, we want to go after something, and we, we, we're, we're going all out, right? We're, we're working the hours, we're committing uh, the disciplines, we're going after it. Maybe it's, uh, I want my business to be successful. Maybe it's, I want my kids to be uh, great. I want them to be great at sports or academia or whatever. I want to go after it. And so we, we commit our whole lives. We put in the hours. We do the hustle. We do the grind, and, and we do all of that. And yet it feels like we're never achieving what we desired to have. It's like it's always something's holding us back and we're saying, God, what's going on? Why can't I have this? Where are you at in this? Well, maybe the reason he's holding you back, he's saying, I need you to focus in here. I need you to focus on me. Or we see the flip side. Sometimes people do achieve those great things, right? We see this all the time in the Hollywood scene, especially I've noticed around musicians, you know, they grind, they go on tours, they play all the venues, and finally their, their song blows up, and they get bigger and bigger and bigger, and they reach where they thought they would make them happy and successful, and they get to that place only to find sadness, depression, loneliness, desperation. So they turn to drugs. Some of them even take their own life. It's when they achieved that thing that they thought would bring them ultimate happiness, and they realize it didn't. And understand, they don't understand quite yet, or maybe never at all, that only God can truly bring that kind of peace, that fulfillment, that value. 
See, I think God wants us to understand that it's not about us building up our own lives. Instead, life as a Christian is all about following God into the places that he's opening up to you, the doors he's opening for you, remaining faithful to what he has for you. And when you do that, you'll come to understand that he's going to build a life with you that is far better than anything that you could have dreamt and imagined for you to build. Your little tower that you were trying to build to heaven no longer even looks like anything. You're going to abandon it and say, I just want what you have for me, God. That is the story. And this is not a get rich if you want to pass the offering again kind of moment that we're having here at church. No, that's not what I'm talking about because he's not going to just give you more funds. I'm not saying that he's going to get you rich because I believe, honestly, to my heart and my, my core, most of us don't need more money. We need more wisdom in our life. And that's what God's going to promise us. More of him. That's what his gift, that's his, his blessing where people will look at your life and say, how, how does this work? How are you content in this moment? How are you full of joy even though the world looks chaotic around you? How do you have peace in this moment? How do you have joy in this moment? How do you have any of this stuff happening in your life? And yet you're getting through it. And it's at that moment we point to God and we say, it's only through his power. It's only through him. But there is something we should recognize in Genesis 11, and is that, that is the fact that there does seem to be a principle here that when humans get together as a group, united, that there is power. I mean, God recognizes that. He says, well, if they can get together and do this, then they're going to think nothing's impossible to them. So there is power there, which I think God knows. He, he, he uh, is going to take advantage of that. In fact, we see that. I want you guys to turn to Acts chapter 2. It's in the New Testament of your Bible after the Gospels. Uh, and we're going to see that actually the first miracle of the church is reversal of what just happened. It's, it's God bringing his people back together, in fact, but now with God at the center of it, with Jesus' redemption, giving them the way to be united. And so this is what Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 says. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of violent winds came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw... What, what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were many, they were, uh, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galilean? How then is that that each of them hear, wait, then how is it that each of us hear them in our own native language? Right after that in verse 9, it actually has a list of many of the different uh, regions that the people were from. And if you count them up right there, there's uh, about 16. There's 16 uh, named right there, but some of the regions named are pretty big. Like one of them is Asia, right? Pretty big area just to cover with one blanket word, right? Uh, so 
at least 16 different languages were being spoken at this moment. That's the, the minimum. It could be very much more than that. 16 different languages being spoken at the church, first church service. So if you're sitting there thinking, man, two languages is a lot for a service. Think about that very first one. Or there's at least 16 going on at once, right? Crazy. But God was moving. The, the church is born in this moment, filled with the Holy Spirit because of Jesus' work on the cross. God's first church service is a multicultural service. Uh, they were all Jewish right there, but they were Jews who were, uh, at this moment, they were a conquered people. They were scattered across the nation, and they would have grown up in different areas of the world. And there, it says their first language was not whatever the Jews spoke at that time. It was not Hebrew. It was not Greek. It was something else. And so they hear their native home language from wherever they grew up in this moment. And so it was a multicultural service, the very first one. So from the beginning of the church, the vision has always been that the church would be a place where all of God's people could gather together under Christ's lordship. Meaning the only reason that we can have different people from different places with different ideas and experiences and ethnicities and and racial backgrounds is because when you boil all of those things down, all those things that make us different, we all have one thing in common And that is that we all desperately need Jesus in our life. We all have that united need as humanity. We need the love of the Father, the redemption of the Son, the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to forgive us our our sins, help us to live in alignment with God's word, and allow the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, starting with our minds, as Romans 12, 2 says. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It changes the way we think, renews our mind, helps us to look at the world differently. And it doesn't just end there. It works in our minds, but then it goes to our heart. And all of a sudden, our dead hearts that longed for sinful things, that were dead to to all the things that God wanted, he gives us a new heart that he talks about in Ezekiel uh, 36, verses 26 and 27, where he's talking to the Jewish people who at that time were a scattered people who were away from God. And he says, no, I'm not going to leave you there. He says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will, renew, uh, I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow, and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. He says, I'm going to help you change what you desire. I'm going to change your character. I'm going to renew you. I'm going to change you from the inside. The longings of your heart will no longer be a successful business because you want to make your name great or or any kind of glory for yourself. I'm going to change that where you're going to just desire God. You're going to chase after him and what he has for you. And when he blesses you with things, because he will bless you with things, it'll be full of joy and you'll receive his gifts. And then you'll give gifts to other people because that is just part of the overflow of your heart. That is what he promises you so that as you live for God, 
You can do what Colossians 3.17 says. It says, in whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all to the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Everything you do, all of your actions will glorify God. So every human being on earth has the same desperate need for Jesus' redemption from our sin to give us a new way to live, changing our minds, our hearts, and our actions. That desperate need for God unites us across all different cultures, all different reasons to separate us beyond even language itself. So anyways, we need to understand that being multicultural currently is also being countercultural. Right now in our world, it seems like things are so polarized. There's no middle ground. Everything's about the extremes. And constantly we are being told, you can't be like those people. Don't go, go to those people over there. They're just going to hate you. They're going to be mad at you. Go find the people who are just like you, that have the same views as you, that voted the same way you, as you did, that look the way that you do, uh, that live in your area, who live uh, in your same economic kind of status. All, all those places. Find those people who are just like you and be safe. And don't go over there. Don't go to the other people. Because they just want to tear you down. They want to take away from you. They don't like you. In fact, they are against you. So separate. Stay away from them. Constantly, either through the media or just the social media algorithms, the way that they're set up, it pushes us to more and more and more extreme views. And they've done studies on this as far as social media, in fact, about how if you just start clicking on one thing and it just it keeps pushing you to the more extreme views, more extreme views, more extreme views. Not because it cares about the truth for you. It's because they want to sell you stuff. That's the whole reason it's built. And so it's all about the extreme views here. And yet it's interesting that that's the world we live in. And it's full of fear, full of anger, full of hate. Really, it's absent of the God of the Bible. It's absent of Jesus, which is why I think Jesus is an infinite wisdom. He gave us a command in John 13, 34, and 35 that says, A new commandment I give you, love one another as I loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. So the way that we love other people is the way that we highlight who God is. And not just the people who are like us, although we're called to love those people as well, but also the people who are not like us, who come from different backgrounds, who come with different uh, life experiences, to love those people. And I think those things highlight so much who God is by loving one another despite our differences. And what's amazing is as you start to do that, It really starts to highlight all the different ways God has made us. You start to go and experience different cultures, different styles of living, and all of a sudden you start to say, well, that's different. I I would have never done that. I didn't know you could cook like this. I didn't know these kind of flavors existed, right? Uh, And you start to experience those things. You can start to say, man, God is good. I, I didn't realize that this was normal. And now I see the fingerprints of God through all different cultures, So what, what is so important for us to understand is this 
multicultural value that we have here at Sunrise, it didn't start with Pastor Russ. It didn't start with our core team. It didn't start with us. It's been something God's been doing now for 2,000 plus years. It's something that he's going to continue to do. It's something that I think will be a part of Sunrise until this building or our church closes down, which hopefully is in 300, 400 years when he comes back, right? Uh, I don't actually know. That's not a prediction. Don't quote me on that. (laughs) Being multicultural is not just a new movement that we're trying to do. It's just our normal. It's part of our DNA as the church. And although every church looks like us, we can understand that this is a blessing that God's given us. And what's amazing is by being multicultural, it has actually, I think, allowed us to be something else that we didn't even intend to hit. Martine talked about it a little bit ago as well, is that we're also multi-generational here at Sunrise, where we have many different generations in one place where you have people who are on the older side of life and the middle side of life and the young side of life all together in one place. And I think the reason why young people can come in here and feel accepted is because we don't have any real normal here. Our normal is that we're uncomfortable together. And that's a beautiful thing. And so what's amazing is I get to see kids as I get to work with the youth and the children as they come in here. And this is not just a place that is mom's church or grandma's church. This is their church. I see them walk in and they own the place. Sometimes almost too much, right? You've looked at that and said, is that allowed in church? I'm not sure. Okay, we've all had those Sundays. It's amazing and a blessing to have kids be a part of our church. To see such a loud group exit and then come back, that's, that's life. That's a beautiful thing. But not only that, they, they're part of our church in the sense that they play on worship. You see them up here sometimes. Our, our junior high and our high schoolers are also helping in children worship, investing in the kids already. They're helping in the nursery. They're helping in all the different places. That's a beautiful gift that I think is just an overflow of being multicultural, of being accepting of all different type of people and views. What's awesome is John, the apostle, he had a moment where he got to go and see what heaven is like. He got to pull back the curtain for a moment, and he shared with us in Revelation chapter 7, which I invite you to turn to. It's uh, verses 9 through 12. This is a glimpse of the, of the party, really, that is happening in heaven, the celebration of God's kingdom to come. This is what it says. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, and people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, And were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels were standing around the throne and around the uh, and the elders and the four living creatures, they fell down on their face before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. You know, when we love 
one another because of Jesus, when we worship with one another because of Jesus, when we serve one another because of Jesus, we get a taste of what heaven is like. We truly are living in the kingdom of God at those moments where his kingdom comes and his will is being done on earth just as it is in heaven. When we do this, we lay down what is comfortable to ourselves and choose to love one another because Jesus loves us. And it screams to the world, God is alive. Jesus is at work. He is king and he is working amongst us. The world cannot ignore that because they're constantly saying, you guys shouldn't be together. You should be arguing. You should be angry at each other. And yet we say, no, we have something in common that is more important than any of our differences. And maybe we'll tease each other. Maybe we'll poke at each other a little bit. But we're going to love each other because Jesus loves us. So here's my challenge for us today. Is how is God calling you to love someone who's different than you? How is God calling you today to love someone around you who's different than you? Maybe it's by learning a few words in a different language, and you can join me in that struggle. I will have pity on you. Don't worry. Maybe it's by sharing a meal from your culture and bringing that to someone's house and just talking to them, sharing life together, sharing experiences together. Maybe it's starting with pray, prayer. You pray for someone who's different than you, for, for the next generation. As, as we uh, look at kids today and you start to say, oh, man, I don't know about this. Pray at the moment. Pray at that moment. Pray, God, will you be as real to them as you were to me, how you saved me, save them, work in their life like you've worked in my life? Pray for them at those moments. Maybe it's by starting a friendship with someone here or out there that is different than us. When God's people love one another beyond the differences, it causes people to take notice. To say, how is this happening? And the answer is amazing. Praise to Jesus. It is Christ alone that this can happen. Multicultural is not a movement. It's a recognition of the reality of the kingdom of God. This is why it's a core focus here at Sunrise. And it will continue to be into the future of Sunrise as well. It might look a little different uh, depending on <laughs> how far out we are from here. But we can trust that God's been doing this for a long time. He's going to continue to do it here with us and at church at large. Will you guys pray with me? God, I thank you so much that you work so much larger than we can even understand. That our, our minds by ourselves cannot even comprehend who you are. Not truly, not in its fullness, not in its entirety. God, you are way too big for us. And yet as a community, maybe we can start to wrap our hands around it a bit more and say, God, let us trust you in this. In those moments when we feel uncomfortable, when people do things the way we wouldn't want to do them or any of those things, help us to trust you, God, to, to pray for those people, to, to trust them and to, to get to know them, to love them. Thank you for the uncomfortableness, that you truly are our only comfort, God, that you call us to trust you in those moments, not to go what makes us feel safe, but to trust you enough to say, God, you make me safe. 
And even though I've, I'm not sure about this, God, I'm, I'm going to step into it because this is where you're calling me. And you don't call me to come to you perfect. You don't call me to come to all built up and ready to go, God. But you, you say, just hand over your mess and I'm going to make you something new. God, I pray right now that you would help put on our hearts, Holy Spirit, what we're called to do next. What's the step of faith we need to take right now? That this isn't just something that the leadership team or the servant team needs to do, God, but this is something as mission partners, as members of your church here at Sunrise, we are all called to live in this value of loving one another despite our differences, to care for one another. And God, now as we sing a song to you, Help us to worship with our brothers and sisters, and thank you for the differences here. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.